Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Clark. And welcome to Wordstruck, where we take a fresh look at great books. Uh, this season, we're reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. This episode, we are reading chapters 13 and 14. Wait, wait a sneak a peek at the notes right at the last second. Thanks. Yep, I know exactly what we're talking about this episode. <laughs> so for those that may not have read it yet, um, tell us a little bit about chapter 13. Chapter 13, which is called Nicholas Flamel, mm. uh, is the chapter that Harry, Ron, and Hermione learn who Nicholas Flamel is. Shocking. <laughs> um, but other things do happen in this chapter, things that I had completely forgot about, including Snape refereeing the uh, Gryffindor Hufflepuff Quidditch match. And then Harry, like, spying on Snape and Quirrell, meeting in the Forbidden Forest. So that's pretty much all that happens as far as plot points. Yeah. So. Uh, and we do find out what the Sorcerer's Stone is. Also that. And that Snape is actually going for the Sorcerer's Stone, which is under Fluffy. Yeah, we learn that the stone's under Fluffy. Fluffy. Do we learn that Snape is going for the Sorcerer's Stone? Yeah, I think... It's in this chapter, uh, so this is jumping ahead a little bit. No, but. we we learn Snape is trying to find out if Quirrell has figured out how to get past Fluffy. No, but he says, uh, so on chapters 226 in both the soft and hardcover edition, uh, Snape does say in the forest, meeting up with Quirrell, he says, um, Oh, I thought we'd keep this private, said Snape. His voice is icy. Students aren't supposed to know about the Sorcerer's Stone, after all. <laughs> Which is a convenient little moment of like, let's just say what we both know we're talking about, but let's yeah. say it aloud, out loud just Very so Harry ex- can hear it. Exposition-y. <laughs> yep, yep. We're gonna name exactly what we're talking about. The Sorcerer's <laughs> Stone, right? We're still the talking. The stone about that's that. under Fluffy, the big dog <laughs> that happens to be standing on a trap door in the third floor that corridor. That we're trying to get past together, <laughs> right? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's that's the end of the chapter. There's a lot that happens before that, though, uh, including... Yeah, well, we'll maybe come back to that, but I would say that I don't think we found out that Snape is trying to get the Sorcerer's Stone. Hmm, just that he's trying to get past Fluffy. Their meeting to talk about the Sorcerer's Stone has Quirrell found out how to get past the dog. That's all we know. Really? You don't think that that's enough to tie it together? Huh. Getting past Fluffy and the Sorcerer's Stone... And then, okay, okay, all right. We'll Just put, saying. We'll put a pin let's, in let's that. Let's not put the we'll card before the horse. That. Anyway, <laughs> um, but first, uh, so Harry and uh, is not chasing after the mirror of Erised anymore, even mm-hmm. though he he very much loved it, but he can't find it. So who knows? My first question is, why on earth does Ron not need convincing to not go after the mirror? He only saw it the one time. I guess what Ron saw, which was him, like, having all these accomplishments and all these things, like, I guess maybe that's not quite as dramatic for Ron. And, like, he sees it once, and, like, there's not the sense of longing of, like, oh, I want to see this again. Whereas Harry Potter, it's like, he's seen his parents, who he's never seen before, and he's kind of getting to see how they move, how they act. There's so many little details where it's like, yeah, you see a person once, and you know what they look like. But there's a difference between being able to, like, analyze their features, especially when it's his full family. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just a lot more details for him to soak up. Whereas, like, Ron can just get the general idea of, like, yep, me with all these accomplishments and it's cool to look at. But, like, I get it. It's there. I don't need to look and be like, oh, but what does the ribbon that I won look like? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm sure that he would like to see it again and he'd probably look at it if he knew where it was. But he's not seeing dead family members that he's never, that he's only ever dreamt about. You know. Yeah, and my my theory is sort of along those lines, but a little different. In that, 
Harry's is completely unattainable. And Ron's is. Yeah, that's a good Ron, point. Ron's is the future and it's possible. And so it could almost like that vision from the mirror of Air said could trigger like a more active Ron. Yeah, yeah. And Ron may even think that like when they were talking about like what does this mirror mean, he could still think that, well, it's kind of the mirror of inevitability. Or yeah. the, doesn't he ask, is does this predict the future? Yeah, yeah. So it's like and with it being attainable and stuff he's just like oh cool like i can run after this now. I can, yeah yeah even though ron is barely mentioned in this chapter yeah <laughs> it's weird i mean he's mentioned he he does fight with uh malfoy at the quidditch match and there's that and he gets teased and malfoy gets some burn <laughs> and i'm sure we'll talk about those later of course but like man uh but how we're kind of brought into this chapter is neville jumping out like he apparently had bunny hopped a long way and he comes out and he um has an important message for harry that um what was it oh yeah with the news that snape was refereeing Mm. Mm -hmm. wait no 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 am i thinking of a different uh does he jump in no i think wood tells him that um I'll yeah. Just start this over there. What would so, starts? Yeah. What does Neville? Let's just get that figured out before we even do it again. When does he bunny hop in? Harry says, oh, "Like I need to play." Oh, that was after the news. Yeah. Malfoy. So he comes in and saying that Malfoy. Uh, so like Neville doesn't deliver news. He just sort of okay. creates an opportunity to to he like sort of raises the question of will he ever stand up to Malfoy? And then at the end of the chapter, it pays off of he does stand up to Malfoy. Okay. So he's in the same words. <clears throat> so the chapter starts off with uh, Harry and the Quidditch team finding out from Wood that Snape will be refereeing the match, and immediately, it, you know, Harry just grows very. Uh, scared and sullen and he's like oh no this is the match that would have gotten us ahead in the house cup and for the first time in a long time we would have been ahead in the house cup and now Snape's refereeing and so first of all who the usual referee is the coach right who's like relatively neutral um n- not the coach the the flying teacher madam hooch okay madam so hooch. she's she's yeah. neutral Uh-oh. so she's neutral what <sighs> How can they have Snape, who's like very actively pro Slytherin? Everybody knows it. All the teachers know it. How are they okay with this? Um, I yeah, I couldn't believe that he had the opportunity to do that when he is going to be very clearly biased. Like no one, yeah, not like Dumbledore can't be that naive to think that Snape wouldn't be no biased. No. And even if Dumbledore is not the one who manages that, if it's Madame Hooch, still like she's a pretty even keel ref and and like is stern with everyone and for her to be able to like for her to let someone who's a house like uh, for her to let head house head of houses ref seems very strange yeah and and i wondered but then i wondered trying to picture how refs work in the muggle world how in like our world in high school or whatever yeah it's whoever volunteers it's whoever <laughs> volunteers yeah that's true and like maybe no one wants to do yeah, it yeah and snape's like because uh, snape doesn't seem happy about it either he's not having a blast you know he's he's doing his job but he very clearly cares about quidditch like him, yeah. him and mcgonagall are that's, at it so it's like yeah. maybe he would be on the volunteer list of 
refereeing Quidditch because and he does love it. Dumbledore did show up. Do you think that's coincidence or do you think Dumbledore is like, uh, let's make sure he plays a clean game here? I wondered. Because uh, that's kind of yeah. how the book makes it. And Harry's like, oh, Dumbledore's here. We're good. Like, no one's going to put weird curses on me or anything because Dumbledore's here. Well, and I thought it was weird that Dumbledore never goes to a Quidditch match. Like, it was that, yeah. it was remarkable for him to I had be a hard there. time believing that, too. And I'm like, wait, what? He like, doesn't like Quidditch? Like, like, maybe he doesn't like Quidditch, but isn't it sort of like uh, principals at high schools who, like, they try to make a point to go to everything to evenly yeah, to show support? support? Yeah. And, yeah, so Dumbledore is this, you know, coulda, coulda woulda, shoulda been supreme mugwump or whatever, coulda, woulda, shoulda been yeah, yeah. minister of magic, so he's bigger than that. But he's just... But he's not, just, though. He's not. That's what is not he his doing? character. He yeah. supports kids. He thinks they're funny. He... And so I wonder if he was maybe there too, because he knew that something was going wrong with Harry the last time, and yeah, Harry's playing, yeah. so he's just there. Period. Because who knows what's going on? And he's the only one that knows the Featherfall spell. The only one. So if Harry falls, it's game over. He's got to be there. <sighs> I love that you call it the Featherfall spell. <laughs> it has a real name. It's a real thing in your mind now. Like, if we ever learn that there is something and it's called something different, I feel like you're going to reject I'm it sorry, and I guess keep I'm... calling it the Featherfall spell. It might be called that. I'm just that. stuck in Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition, just permanently. <laughs> I just can't get out of that. Oh, <sighs> you, you need to get out of that, man. That sounds terrible. <laughs> so, this Quidditch match goes, it's just blazed by in the book even though it's built up as this important quidditch match it can get him ahead of slytherin it's still pretty much like it starts harry catches the snitch right away in record time record time like five minutes or something and like it's that? over and snape spits on the ground bitterly <laughs> and it's just like yeah real real fair judge there that when the other team wins he spits on the ground <laughs> which how far from thrilling would that be to to have a five minute long match yeah yeah, Quidditch kind of sucks that way. Yeah, the whole, like... <laughs> Where it can be three months or like... five minutes. How do you plan for that? How much trail mix do you bring to this game? Like, <laughs> What do those concession stands look like, do you think? Yeah, right? Like, full-on meals. They're like, crap, we have so much cotton candy Majorly to get rid of. catered. Yeah. It's, it, I hope there's a lot of magic there to keep inventory down, because there could be a lot of, of food waste. Or, like, a lot of money behind that. Mm-hmm. To make sure that, like, maybe do they donate to the needy after if they have all this left over? If they're a needy or in the there, wizard world, we need to have a completely different conversation. Is there a way to uh, prevent any food from spoiling? Oh. So then it's just like, yeah, you have a massive supply, but it, it'll never spoil until you, like, actually prepare it and it's good? Or I think they probably just took... I, I mean, if they don't... Which, that sounds like a lot of effort. They probably just made chili dogs the main meal at Hogwarts <laughs> for, like, a couple days. For three months. <laughs> yeah, for three months of chili dogs and nachos. <laughs> and oh, like that's awful. And, like, $9 beer. It's like... <laughs> because it is the UK. That all, can drink. Oh, why not? Why not? Butterbeer? Why not? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Anyway, so the... The but, Quidditch match ends very quickly. But it, it feels like the Quidditch match stakes are very high. Like, going into it, Harry's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, like, I can't not play. Like, oh, they're depending on me. They yeah, need me. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and uh, they're like, you got to get out of this. And he's like, no, man. And they're like, break your legs. I love 
the the difference in the range of suggestions of how to get out of it from Ron and Hermione. Just like Hermione, say you like, can't do it. Pretend to break your leg. It's fine. And Ron's like, no, 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 actually break your leg. <laughs> you gotta commit to this, bro. Which, to be fair, if you pretended to break your leg at a wizard school, oh yeah, like Madame Pomfrey would have just like, no, like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is not broken. It took me two seconds to look at it. It's not broken. Yeah. And but even like Neville's arm was fixed in like an hour or yeah, something yeah. after breaking his arm. Like it's like none of these were actual good ways no, to get out of the match. No, I don't know how you would get out of a Quidditch match that would like. And maybe they were just joking. Maybe they didn't actually. Well, no, they seem I pretty serious. I yeah. don't think they were joking. Yeah, <laughs> they were. It, they were legitimately scared that Snape was refereeing. Which I mean, Harry thought that Snape had had. Tried to kill him. Tried to kill him. Like, so, actually like, tried to kill him. May- maybe it's real, and the, and and Ron and Hermione think so too, and they don't trust any adult to believe them because the only adult they went to didn't. So yeah, yeah. It's I mean maybe the stakes really should be that high, but at the same time I look at it and I'm like, it's it's a student athletic event. Yeah. It's your kids, and so it feels really high stakes, but ultimately it's a student athletic event. So. It, the last thing I, I guess I have to say about the Twitter match, Quidditch match, hey, <laughs> twitter.com slash wordstruck. Wordstruck uh, pod. <laughs> wordstruck pod. Uh, Quidditch match. Okay, so in the last match, something very clearly happened, or in the last big match at least, something very clearly happened with Harry's broom. He was flying around. There's this big thing that lasted for several minutes, and it ended with like the end of the game. Was there no internal investigation? Was there no... I mean, maybe Dumbledore just showed up to make sure it wouldn't happen again. But, like, this is a really big deal. And apparently they're just like, eh, stuff happens in the wizard world. I don't know. Somebody may have cursed it. Or there's, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff we're seeing. Or yeah. not seeing. I would say that's probably why Dumbledore is there. Yeah, just to make sure. Something went wrong last time. Maybe there have been other Quidditch matches between... That then yeah, and now yeah. that have been other houses, and but so maybe like he the... he's been in all of them, or maybe he's pretty confident. Okay, it's got something to do with Harry, so I'm going to the, the next Gryffindor one. Um, but e- either way, I I think that's probably why Dumbledore is there, and I don't think that Harry would know if there was an internal investigation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't think that uh, that like maybe they would have asked him, did something go wrong? Yeah, and, like and that what would, happened there? That would make sense. But but even would the narrator feel that necessary to talk to us about? You know, it's oh, like, I think the narrator narrator would have told us if someone had asked Harry, yeah, what happened, and Harry was like, I really don't know, but someone's looking into it. Like that that would be worth mentioning. Yeah. So the Quidditch match ends. He catches the snitch real quick. Uh, it's awesome. They're for once they're actually ahead of Slytherin, or they have a chance to get ahead of Slytherin, which never happens or it hasn't happened in like seven years. Uh, and then. Uh, Neville is bounding in kind of after the celebrations and stuff, and he's been bullied by Malfoy. No, this was before. Oh, that was way before. Ne- yep. Neville comes in. So so he sort of skipped to the Quidditch match. So right before that, uh, in the chapter, we we actually find out who Nicholas Flamel is. That happens before the Quidditch match. Oh, yeah, huh. So, so um, and, and it's like they're... Neville comes in, his legs are bound with a leg locker cursed, and Malfoy's been bullying him, mm. and Harry tells Neville so cutely that you're worth 12, Yeah, Malfoy's. there's this cute little moan, he gives him a chocolate frog, and he says, you're, you're really worth something, the sorting hat says so, and he's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's a cute little moment. Yeah, it's, it's, 
it's good that he takes care of. I think it shows Harry, Harry's chivalrous side. Yeah, yeah. Of like, I'm not gonna bully my friend and uh, this kid who clearly could be bullied yeah. really easily. Like, no, Too I'm easy. gonna take care of him. And then in the chocolate frog that he gives Neville is Dumbledore's card, where it's revealed, oh, Nicholas Flamel has been mentioned before on the card for Dumbledore mm-hmm. that we read like a long time ago on the train. We've read the name Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I completely blanked Didn't, on that. You cruised right by it. Cruised right <laughs> by it. Uh, so, but right before that, we have this like Harry can't shake the feeling that he's read this name before, and yeah. that was just the most frustrating way to write that of like let me experience the Harry remembers it but he can't figure out what from before he's trying to shake the feeling yeah and that was just that was one line that stuck out for me as well and I think I underlined it where it says yeah Harry couldn't shake the feeling that he had heard the name before why didn't you mention that two chapters ago when when you were digging through the library or again when he was like had the invisibility cloak on at night where he's like he couldn't felt you know shake it and here's the logic of of if you can't shake the feeling that you've read it before, then you retrace your steps. Yeah, And yeah. we didn't ever get to see him retrace his steps of, like, these are the books I've read. Yeah. Maybe it was in Quidditch Through the Ages. I've read that book. I can't help but wonder if maybe the editor just axed all of that. Ooh, maybe. Like, she had it written in suck. and she just axed it, but, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that specific line. Yeah, she, may- maybe. Um, yeah. That, she's I like, they don't want to hear Harry Potter reading back through the books just so he can, Well, yeah. I, I just want one line of, like, Nicholas Flamel, at some point, as he was pondering it, he feels like that name's familiar. Yeah, yeah. But he can't figure out from where. And then a chapter later, he still can't shake the feeling. I believe I've heard it. Yeah, but instead it's right to not being able to shake it, even though it had never been mentioned before. So we come to realize that Nicholas Flamel was an alchemy partner with Dumbledore. So Hermione gets her alchemy books, looks him up, and it turns out he is the sole, the only person to have successfully created a sorcerer's stone which apparently turns any metal to gold and produces a substance, a liquid, an elixir. An elixir of life. I don't know how it produces it. I wonder if there's some kind of intricate... Perhaps by magic. Yeah, but like, is there some kind of <laughs> sphincter involved? Like, where, where does it come out exactly? Like, it comes out of Or maybe it touches liquid and turns it to an elixir uh, of life? Could be, could be. Uh, anyway, so it can turn any metal into gold... And then it can produce an elixir of life, which makes anyone immortal. I definitely, as a kid, pictured it as, like, essentially like a gusher. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, like, bite into it, and then it like, Ooh, elixir, elixir of life. <laughs> and then you swallow it, and it tastes like raspberries. Like, yum. <laughs> it's the best sorcerer's stone ever. <laughs> Give me another one. No. Uh, and I think it's immortal, not invulnerable or anything. It's just, like, you won't die of natural causes it's but you're still killable which is good if it was like immortal like in the in the like immortal and invulnerable we'd have a huge problem on our hands but it's just like well they won't die of old age they're pretty much an elf okay i mean that is when you already have wizards living 600 years um i guess that's that's remarkable for humans to live forever but yeah so one one thing that stuck out to me when he reread that uh the the card Mm-hmm. Or maybe he didn't read it. Did it? Did it reprint it? Yes. Okay. Um, the stone in existence. Uh, no, 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 no. I need to go back. Sorry. So I, I went back and I read the uh, the platform nine and three quarters uh, 
Oh, where we originally see the card. Yeah, Yeah. just to, like, see what what sort of information is available on there. And they don't reprint it in the chapter. And so I was like, I want to see what it is. Um, And it goes, it calls Nicholas Flamel Dumbledore's partner. Mm Mm-hmm. Not not partner in research. Not oh. partner in anything. Um, and we this is le- chapter, sorry, page 102 leading into 103. Yes. Uh, Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945 for the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. I mean, that insinuates lab partner, right? Or alchemy partner. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, but... Nicholas Flamel is now married with a wife oh awkward Maybe. but uh, that just makes me wonder if perhaps nicholas flamel is bi oh <laughs> like, just just throwing that hmm. out there i don't know if you can apply gender normative language to wizards i don't know, I... I know. <laughs> they're not different species but <laughs> i mean they totally are <laughs> they're definitely not, not human human not human okay anyway just just a random uh, very you. interesting i mean i've never seen them in the same room at the same time i mean they could be the same person <laughs> <laughs> they've got all mrs norris on you <laughs> <laughs> it's just gotten so deep in my mind i can't shake it uh, so uh turns out that yeah nicholas flamel sorcery stone uh, it is not, in fact, the Manhattan Project of the wizard world. Uh, no. It is were, not you, a... were you disappointed? <sighs> I mean, turn stuff to gold and elixir of life. <sighs> yeah, that is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like, turn stuff to gold. Great. They're wizards. Like, how is money really that much of a problem? Like, what could you do with lots and lots of riches that couldn't be undone by a powerful, man, like, wizard? You well, know? look at the Weasleys, who don't have a lot of money. Like, like currency is still a very important and dividing thing in their society. Yeah, that's true. I mean, people still make fun of each other over money. And, and, and yeah. for a... Uh, for a school that divides people up and has a whole house essentially like two whole houses essentially devoted to glory yeah yeah long life is a glorious thing and extends your opportunities to achieve greatness i mean this is essentially a combination of the fountain of youth that has been so sought after by explorers in history and and in books Indiana and everything Jones and whatever <laughs> yeah so it's like not only is it the fountain of youth but it's also the midas touch like that's it's almost op uh but it, it's not nearly as interesting i wish it was like something that could be yielded for actual destructive power and and it can be don't get me wrong but it's long-term destructive power yeah i, I think it's interesting that it's not destructive it's constructive it's, it's yeah yeah it's creates something rather than destroys and i think that's i i think it's more interesting it's 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 more surprising to me than something that destroys. So why a weapon is more obvious to to be hunted? I think. I guess so. Nicholas Flamel. I think it shows the character of of the kind of person who's hunting for it. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like those are the things that they seek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it does. And they say that like, oh, of course Snape would want that. Why wouldn't Snape want that? Of course he wants the Sorcerer's Stone. Who wouldn't want that? And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, who would turn down? a long healthy life and infinite money but uh in my mind too there's kind of the question of okay so the stone exists only one person knows how to make it and he wants to hide it or make sure that no one can get to it okay destroy it destroy it destroy it get what if you're not using it 
and you don't have a use for it like what are you waiting for like to have someone be diagnosed of cancer that you can't fix so then well good thing we have this elixir of life like why even keep it around like great make some vials of elixir of life and stash those and i i don't know it's like why even take the risk uh and i mean that's why there's six more books you know yeah why? <laughs> do, do you have an idea of why they took the risk of why they took the risk to keep yeah. it around i mean do you think jk rowling didn't, just didn't think of oh, no, destroy of it or I, I think it's something that does play into the greater narrative the six more books and and it is something what could bring voldemort back like what could what could get him out of the woodwork and maybe that's the point do you think it's bait it could be bait but if it is bait Again, when I when I said that that better not be the sorcerer's stone down there, I will be upset if it's the sorcerer's stone down there because there's just what a dog and some hexes. Like, come on, like that's weak sauce. Voldemort can get through that, but now that we've kind of built out the idea, and when they go talk to Hagrid about it, um, and he tells them maybe this is the next chapter. I forget. I think it's in this chapter. Okay. Well, they talk to Hagrid about the sorcerer's stone. No, that's because mm. he's looking at the dragon books, and that's when they tell him that they know yeah, about it. Yeah, 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 you're right. Next chapter. Anyway. anyway. But, uh, so, do I think it's bait? Uh, yes, but it's not on their timeline that they would have liked. It's like, it became bait because maybe that was their backup plan when they found out it was going to get stolen from Green God, so they're like, crap, we really need to do something about this. So they devised a plan. But I think... It, it is a reaction as opposed to them starting. Like, I, they don't get the starting move in this chess game. This is a reaction. It's kind of my my idea. But it is well thought out. I mean, we find out that, like, seven teachers put various hexes on it. And there's a... Hagrid's contribution was a giant dog that only he knows how to handle. So it's like, okay, that is pretty adequate stuff. I really wish they wouldn't have just told us in literally the first time describing the thing. They're like, oh, and don't go here. And it's like, that's where the Sorcerer's Stone is. It's like, come on! <laughs> like, uh, That is such, like, predictable, where it's like, I was... Don't uh, think about an elephant. Yeah, don't think about an elephant. It's just like, oh, All great. I can think about is an elephant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, they, the author kind of pulled that, and I'm a little bit bummed that it is, in fact, the Sorcerer's Stone under Fluffy, and that's where the whole thing's going to take place, the final battle or whatever is going to be in that room something's gonna happen to fluffy whatever so it's like i now know how the final battle will essentially play out um it is frustratingly straightforward yeah yeah which is fine i mean it's, really I mean, we have three chapters left four chapters left so like okay I it's guess. not like we're halfway through the book and we know what's gonna happen yeah. or i mean if it had if but we got all this back information now, yeah halfway through the book you would hope that there would be extra twists yeah but now, like, even having the information that I had halfway through the book, I still feel like I knew too much or, like, it was too straightforward. Anyway, <laughs> so Nicholas Flamel, inventor of the Philosopher's Stone, still alive, still just kind of off doing a thing with his wife. Uh, he'll probably get killed. Probably. <laughs> uh, let me just nice say, knowing you, or yeah. not. <laughs> well, we learned your name. Now we're going to find out you're dead. That's too bad. Nice to know you. <laughs> It's like, what, what? Is he going to swing through Hogwarts and say hi? No. They're going to ice this character or something. like it, it, Or they're going to use it later on to up the stakes for Dumbledore. They're going to fridge the guy because they need to get Dumbledore pissed off. And, um, I mean, maybe. Who knows? But he's not going to stick around and just, like, show up for family dinners. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't see Nicholas Flamel being, like, a lasting character. He is someone that we are... I think it's possible that he, he they wouldn't kill him i mean we haven't met him the only the only Yet. function <laughs> the only function that he's had is he did something 
50 years ago, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like, at, like what's more important about Nicholas Flamel is what he created. So maybe just his wife will get taken hostage or something like that. Yeah. I can see he's definitely going to be, he is an expositional character. And that's fine. That's That's great. I'm not, you know, we need those. And someone needed to make the stone. So... So uh, I, I want to talk just a little bit more about uh, the the little blurb that they found out about what the Sorcerer's Stone does. Okay. And it was just a really frustrating language thing, which was um, the, the the alchemy. Let's see. It was like al- alchemy is concerned with making the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. And that was like. Th- shouldn't alchemy be concerned like the sorcerer's stone is made with alchemy or something or the other way around or alchemy is just is one way that you can like it was a i don't know it was it was the the that makes it like the only function of this huge skill is to make this one tiny little thing which is very powerful yeah but but (laughs) it was just just the way it was written i was like uh this this whoever wrote this yeah. book needed an editor and needed to understand that alchemy is a much bigger thing than yeah. just for making the source. I agree, stone. and I think I've made a note on, on my book as well where it's like this is not this is a it's clear distinction opposite. between the purpose of alchemy and the purpose of like science, where it's like science the goal is to discover truths through, through experimentation and to be constantly constantly digging. Where it's like there is no final solution for science. Mm-hmm. You can't win science. It's just like it's a continuing continual continual thing and just when you think you know something and you're super confident with it you learn something else and you're like oh this changes everything we need to go back through and like they did phrase it like alchemy is concerned with making the sorcerer's stone but it still feels very much like this is the purpose of alchemy is making this thing it's like this guy figured it out and i was like "Mm, yeah this is very frustrating and how did he figure it out but dumbledore didn't figure it out maybe dumbledore does know how to do it maybe he is the supreme mugwump. The mugwumpiest. Mugwumpiest of mugwumps. <laughs> so uh, there is the... We find out what the Sorcerer's Stone is. There's the Quidditch match wherein uh, Ron is getting pestered by Malfoy the whole time about money. And he's, Malfoy's just being a total... Just not a nice person. This whole thing. Just a weasel. And he eventually gets punched in the face, which is great. It needed to happen. And apparently nobody got detention or anything because of it. So... That's nice. Uh, they just got to have a good little tussle. And right after the Quidditch match, Harry flies into the forest. He sees Snape's go- Snape going in his dark hood because Snape's the bad guy, remember? Mm-hmm. Dark hood into the forest. He's the bad guy. And where he talks to Quirrell, who usually when Snape is conferring with people, it's been with Filch. But now it's with Quirrell. And he is very clearly bullying Quirrell, saying, you need to do your little magic stuff because... There's the Sorcerer's Stone that kids aren't supposed to know about, like we said, you know, at the top of the episode. Uh, from, like, a writing standpoint, do you feel like this was done well? Because I kind of had a problem with the exposition side of it. I completely forgot that this scene happened, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And when I got to it, oh, I hated it. Yeah. I hated the entire scene. Like, oh, Harry just kind of hangs out, and then he, like, flies over the castle, and he lurks over in the in Forbidden the Forest. Tree. And how convenient. Yeah. And, and, and it's like Snape didn't cast a single, like, a, a, again, I'm used to D&D, but, like, where's your perception check, man? Like, 
why don't you have like a little familiar that follows you around and is like checking this stuff especially when you're being super secretive yeah and i mean yeah he's in the forbidden forest and so you're you're thinking probably no one's gonna follow you there yeah but but still yeah there's that and then there's the yeah they get way too expositiony in in their talk about it yeah (sighs) but that beast of hagrid's yet have you found out a way to to get past so yeah, and and I think very clearly it's it Harry has put together and he goes on the whole next page is just Oh, <laughs> uh, we we've, yeah. we've connected the dots. You don't need to like break it down for Harry and her, or for Ron and Hermione of like, "Oh, this is what he's trying to do and he's going to do this and he's going to do this and he's going to do this." And oh my like it's it's it predicts things in a really straightforward frustrating way where i'm i'm a reader i'm smart i, <laughs> I can put this. it together yeah. like you, he goes and tells ron and hermione what's going on and they form a plan or something like yeah don't waste my time and like the last line of the chapter is uh so you mean that stone's only the stone's only safe as long as quirrell stands up to snape set hermione an alarm and ron's like it'll be gone by next tuesday which in my mind i read is like oh no he puts his hand on his head oh no and everyone's like that's a nice strong ending like it's i mean it's kind of a funny joke and yeah, i and i yeah. do like the dot I, I do like the notion of like they all realize man we're screwed <laughs> it's it, yeah it's quarrel doesn't stand a chance up against snape yeah but it was just, it was a little sad trombone-y. Wah, wah, yeah. wah, 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 It's, it's, yeah, a little after school especially. Mm-hmm. But. And then in the next chapter, I guess, I mean, that's, what, so what, what were some of your favorite quotes before we get into the next mm. chapter? So from chapter 13, what were some of your favorite little moments? Let's see. I, I, I really struggled with this chapter. I was looking forward to it. I thought I was going to enjoy it, and I did not for the most part. But huh. there was one moment that I I absolutely loved and it's page 217 Mm -hmm. Um, speaking quietly so that no one else would hear Harry told the other two about Snape's sudden sinister desire to be a Quidditch referee (laughs) 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 nothing can be more sinister than refereeing Quidditch (laughs) he's so evil he wants to be a referee (laughs) and it's just I think that clearly shows the narrator's uh massive proximity to Harry's perspective of like how high stakes this Quidditch match is in Harry's head but not in reality yeah and and it just it shows the ridiculousness of how much emphasis they're putting on all of these actions where it's like this is a sinister plot to destroy I will referee our Quidditch match (laughs) (laughs) so ridiculous anyway what was yours Uh, I have a few Sorry. You have a few. A few. Um, Let's see. So I do like that Harry... Well, I guess this is a moment, not a quote. I like that Harry tells... uh, Let's see. Sorry. What's his name? Neville. Neville. Harry tells Neville, you're worth 12 of Malfoy. And then Neville comes and he says, I'm worth 12 of you to Malfoy. It was pretty cute. And he's kind of laughed at, but I'm like, that's... That's nice because that means that it stuck with him mm-hmm. and that he remembered it and he felt it and he, and enough that he's like, no, there's, I'm worth 12 of you. And I, it's like, it's a cute moment. I think it shows the power of, of uh, words of affirmation and like yeah. how they can really reinforce our actions. And poor Neville, who's 
just getting terrible, terrible words thrown yeah. at him right and left. Like, no, he's really bolstered by the positive language, and yeah. he can use it. And Neville, like, it, even in the next chapter, I, I know I still have a quote left, but, like, he really comes through. He keeps coming through. Mm-hmm. Neville does. He's, he's a great character. Anyway, so that was a good one. I also liked uh, just a quick little thing, like, Hermione kind of showed a little bit of her wit when... Um, Let's see. Harry's talking about uh, if he were to back out of the game. This is on page 221. He says, it'll really wipe the smiles off their faces if we win. And Hermione's like, just as long as we're not wiping you off the field. <laughs> and it's like, oh! Hermione trash talk. That's great. <laughs> it's like, that was actually pretty clever. Uh, and then, lastly, it was the insult that Malfoy used on um, Neville on page 223, where he says, Longbottom, if brains were gold, you'd be poorer than Weasley. <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> I'm just like, like ooh, wow. Man. That really covered... It's He's very classist, Malfoy. Like, yeah. way more so than any 11-year-old kid ever could or should be. Yeah, Like, yeah. very aware of the wealth of others, which tells you a little bit of what his home life's been like. But... Yeah, it's a little sad. I don't feel bad for him. Nope. Glad he got punched in the face. Deserved it. <laughs> so, chapter 14, Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback. Yes. So, in this chapter, uh, the trio begins studying for their end-of-year exams 10 weeks ahead of schedule because Hermione's neurotic. I would never, ever do that, ever. Yeah, I'm not sure you could be Hermione's friend. I think she'd drive you bonkers. <laughs> Probably. Um, and then uh, Hagrid is spotted in the library while they're studying. Turns out, he's studying dragons. Like, has a dragon egg and uh, invites them to the hatching <laughs> <laughs> and takes care of this illegal dragon egg in his hut until it grows too big to be kept secret and Malfoy discovers it and then they have to get rid of the dragon so they get it to Charlie. So a whole lot happens in this chapter actually. Yeah, happens quick. Yeah, yeah, it's not And there's a lot they kind of skim over too, little details. But one thing, Hagrid... We all already know this. He's the least subtle person. No. Ever. Oh. There is no... He, he couldn't hide something just if do, he... Just doing nothing in the library. Just nothing. Li- just library stuff. Just looking. And then I wanted to punch Ron in the face, by the way. Because <laughs> Ron is like, oh, hey, we found the Sorcerer's Stone. Turns out the Sorcerer's Stone, we, we, we found about a Flamel Sorcerer's Stone. And I'm just like, shut up, shut up. And and Hagrid's like, whoa, whoa, don't talk about that. And he's like, what? Why wouldn't we talk about the Sorcerer's Stone, which we're totally hiding in the third floor corridor? And I'm just like, shut up, Ron. You should know better. You should really know better. I wonder if Ron doesn't really get to know much about things very often. <laughs> and so, like, this is one of the few times that he knows more than most people. Like, he's the he's the youngest boy in a yeah. family of seven. Yeah. Seven kids. And everyone knows everything before him. That's a good point. Yeah. And so, uh, they're like, he's just not used to having the upper hand and relishing it way too much. But, yep. like, I wonder if that's the motive. Or if we go back to my question a couple chapters back of do they just not understand the gravity of whatever the situation is like it's yeah. not a weapon that if it were a weapon then maybe he yeah he would probably be a little more cautious but no it's this exciting thing that makes gold and my family's poor and that's a, a thrilling thought for me and maybe i could find it and yeah i mean we don't get all of that but. i mean he had been thinking all this time about what he would do with it if he could use it he'd, mm-hmm. he'd buy a quidditch team and he'd do all this yeah 
Okay, okay. I still kind of want to punch him in the face, but oh, yeah. so Definitely does the narrator, though. <laughs> <laughs> so does Hagrid, so does the narrator, so it's like, we're all on the same terms here. And Hagrid's just trying to, like, get his book on dragons. Yeah. Uh, just trying to go to the library in peace. People are supposed to be quiet in the library. <laughs> Gosh. And then they go and they watch the... Yeah, so they, they go to Hagrid's house and we get some exposition. Thanks, Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. <laughs> Always good for that, Hagrid. Where we find out that... Uh, there are seven teachers. Seven? Is that right? Who? Sprout, Flitwick, McGonagall, Quirrell, Dumbledore. Yeah, I think so. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six. So, six teachers and Hagrid. So there's this committee to protect the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. Here's my question. Oh. You have seven people guarding this stone that's supposed to be secret. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore is one of the most powerful wizards in the world. Why are there seven people who are helping? Why can't it just be, like, Dumbledore's secret that he maybe lets one other person he trusts in on it and just tells everyone, like, sorry, quarters jammed. Come up with a lie for it. Yeah. Like, how do you expect seven people to keep it secret? So, I guess, well, there are a couple ways it could be. Like you said, well, like you hinted towards, it could be bait. And it could be, like, it's not, it's supposed to get out a little bit and he just knows seven people oh yeah it's gonna get out if there's seven people including Hagrid mm-hmm. and like when you think of the level of magic that a lot of these professors would know to be at a top level Ivy League wizard school like these are powerful magicians and the fact that he still felt a need to get Hagrid in on it with just a big dog like I'd like to think that any of these hexes and spells and protective things would be way harder to break than just a dog like I said you put a dog to sleep you cast some spell, you make it float in the air. It's like dogs are not hard to get past, but he still felt a need to get Hagrid involved. Hagrid, who is notorious for not keeping secrets. So, like, maybe it is supposed to get out, and it is bait. Uh, also, maybe he just really does trust his teachers, and they've all been, like, they've all... In my mind, if there's a sorting hat that puts people in houses, there's probably some kind of truth or integrity hat as well that they put on people upon hiring them. Probably not upon them coming back from trips into the haunted forest with vampires. He's already hired. (laughs) Yeah, he's already hired. Why check him again? But uh, (laughs) anyway, there's probably some kind of like integrity test that he gives to the teachers to test their heart and to see what they're made of. And I'm assuming that all those people, if Dumbledore works with them and he keeps them around, he probably trusts them. Uh, Yeah. But it does raise some questions. That's an awful lot of people. Why not? Why not? Three. Why not Snape, McGonagall, and Hagrid? You know, like or, or just Snape, Snape, McGonagall, and Dumbledore. Like, yeah, yeah. Those are probably your three most powerful people at Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. And why not like, just that? You're, you're picked the rookie defense against the dark arts teacher who you hired and then went on a vacation and came back with a stutter. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> like d- he's untested. He hasn't even been there for a year, and he's helping protect the Sorcerer's Stone. Like, yeah. it's. And and Hagrid, so, who got expelled. Like, yeah, you so respect you, him. Are you asking this, like, are you asking yourself the same question? I, I, I believe that it's bait. I think you don't have, there, there are a couple of things that we learn in later, uh, in later books that help keep secrets. Okay. But I think clearly based on what Hagrid's been able to let slip, those things are not in play. Okay. So, uh, 
I yeah, I think it's bait. Okay, okay. I, we don't. We never really learn why there are seven people. But so. it's enough that you know, it, there's nothing that he would, did with seven that he couldn't have done with three or five or, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, they're they're all unique people and they're all intelligent and they're all powerful, but. So Hagrid tells the kids that there's six people and himself uh, that are all looking over it. And he kind of says, like, oh, well, I guess it won't hurt you to know who's defending it. And it's like, yes, it could. Yes, it very well could. Yep. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Oh, it's no big deal if I just tell you every single person. Like, yeah, it does. You don't know. It's, he Like, maybe Hagrid clearly doesn't understand the gravity of the situation. Like, yeah. I don't know. I guess... So that's my other question. Mm. So you have seven people involved. Do you think that they all know what they're protecting it from? Uh, or what it is. Or what it is. Yeah, maybe maybe they just have protection spells against... He's just like, hey, can you put a hex on this what? door for like, me? Like, eh. Hagrid knows because he claimed it. Yeah. But maybe no one else knows. It's just, we just need to do, like, imagine you're protecting the most important thing. Yeah. Come up with a spell. Yeah, or, that's or come true. up with an obstacle or something. That's true. Well, I mean, like if Snape and Quirrell know, then probably all the teachers know. Uh, or it's like all of them. Maybe it's like a spell that takes seven people to cast or something. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Like, excuse me. You um, just need that many bodies. It could be, and it could just be that big of focus, and and that makes sense. And kind of when I was thinking about the Sorcerer's Stone as the Manhattan Project, where I do kind of have in my mind like ten wizards all circling around it, feeding into its power. So I definitely, like, those things, of course those things exist. And of course there are spells that require multiple people because, like, eh, why... Magic is clearly collaborative in a lot of ways. Yeah, magic is definitely collaborative. So I think, I mean, you're essentially saying that it probably was something that took seven people. And, well, at least that's how I'm gathering. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that took seven people to make and may take seven people to break. I don't know what that would look like, though. Uh... I, I don't that would be a really sudden thing to discover like in the last few chapters of the book that's like oh he's back or Voldemort's back for the Sorcerer's Stone and he also has seven people that are all there to break it it's like that'd be wow that'd, that'd be, be quite a lot the of information to dump in like three chapters yeah yeah where it's like oh it turns out Filch is also a super powerful magic user and he's one of them and then we also have and which I don't think is true what if all. all the other six people are double agents oh boy even Hagrid. Close the school down. There's no more books left. <laughs> Nuke it from orbit, man. Nuke it from orbit. There's nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, I don't think, well, if it was a collaborative spell casting, then the teachers had to have known that it was something important. Why else would they have all seven of us together casting this spell that requires seven people? I think they, they all clearly know that it's important. Okay. Do they know what the important thing is? Do they know it's the Sorcerer's Stone? Um... Probably. <laughs> what else? Like, what else would be that? I they mean, had maybe all a sort- lot. Harry, Ron, yeah. and Hermione had all sorts of ideas that weren't that. They were thinking it's a weapon. It's and they only know it's about the Sorcerer's Stone because Hagrid Her- let slip with Flamel, and he said that their business is just between the two of them. Yeah, and he did say their business is just between the two of them. And maybe the only reason why he even knows it's about Flamel is because that's where he had to tell them to go at Gringotts. So. It's possible that only Hagrid knew about the Flamel thing, so any teacher that does know about it found out about it through snooping or whatever. Or Hagrid. Or Hagrid, <laughs> yeah. Even though I don't think Hagrid and Snape are buddies, but... Yeah. But that's not a... This chapter is actually about a dragon. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, that, like one paragraph we just spent a lot of time on. Yeah. Um, so dragons. Uh, so I've decided, based on like 
overly chatty people and too much exposition in dialogue. Mm -hmm. There would be no conflict in this chapter if Hermione weren't a meticulous blabbermouth. Oh, how's that? It's okay. So if Hermione weren't a meticulous blabbermouth and, and Ron a little bit too, there Mm -hmm. would be no conflict in this chapter because Ron wanted to skip Herbology to go see the, the egg being hatched. And Hermione is like, no, that's crazy. Ron says, Hermione, how many times in our lives are we going to see a dragon hatching? <sighs> Hermione says, we've got lessons, we'll get into trouble, and that's nothing to do with how what Hagrid's going to be in when someone finds out what he's doing. Yeah. And Harry's like, just shut up. Malfoy has overheard all of your very specific <laughs> conversation. <laughs> it's like... It's, you people don't know how to talk around things. Give it yep. a code word. <laughs> like It's like exact it's it's the as like, you know exposition. Like I want to go practice flying. That's code for I want to go see the dragon hatch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Or even just like, yeah, let's get out of here. No, we can't. And he's like, but it's really important and she's like, Come on. Like that's Think of all the trouble everyone's going to get into, including yeah. our friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, or just everyone. Like, yeah, you really don't need it. It's that's just for us, the readers, and, well, for, and Malfoy, for Malfoy, and like, to move the plot. If they didn't have that conversation, Hagrid probably still would have had to get rid of Norbert. But I, I think the plot may have played out the same way. Sorry, finish your thought. I, I think they would have still probably gotten rid of Norbert and probably still the same way of getting it up to mm-hmm. the top tower and sending him off with Charlie's friends. But there wouldn't have been the added stressor of... Every, like teachers know and Malfoy yeah, like, knows and all this and yeah it's more dramatic and interesting to have that added conflict but the way it's so heavy handed the way that it gets there of like yeah. why can't it be like they trip an alarm or something or or yeah. like they're moving a gigantic dragon that won't shut up and like two is blowing them. fire yeah or so, yeah two people two small 11 year old people one of which being a female that's been noted of smaller stature, and Harry's not a big guy either, somehow moving a dragon whose tail hits the wall and shakes the room? I There's something that doesn't add up here in terms of just like pure physics, where it's like they're moving it all through this building, up this giant tower, all while keeping a cloak perfectly dragged over them. That apparently the invisibility cloak is huge, by the way. Yeah, also, why does it have to be the top tower of the castle? Why not like the Quidditch pitch? Or like, Ooh, good question. like somewhere off of grounds. Why can't Hagrid wait until late at night, go it into like the Forbidden Forest and meet someone, or go huh. somewhere else? Like, yeah, that's good and question. and I think the only reason that it has to be that night is because of the like those people are coming through, mm-hmm. and Malfoy knows about it. But there are so many other ways that that could have played out. Yeah, that, yeah. That, like, Hagrid would have a reason to go somewhere. Or even to the the forest itself, or right outside Hagrid's hut or something, where it's like, yeah, students can't go to the forest, but these kids are just yeah. these are completely different. Who's going to be watching Hagrid's hut in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah. No one. And, like... And Malfoy's not going to be able to drag a teacher out there, either. No. Like, whereas Malfoy, yeah, now he has a chance to go tell the teacher, and they could possibly be ready to be at the tallest tower, because they know exactly where it is. But instead, like... Or Malfoy could tell a teacher and they could go to Hagrid's hut because that's where he saw it. Like, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know where they're going to be. That's true. But can you so, imagine him trying to drag Snape out in the middle of the night to Hagrid's hut because apparently there's dragon? I don't think he would have been able or to. Or, like, the next day or even in the middle of the day or whatever because yeah. he doesn't know that they're trying to get rid of it. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so I understand how you don't want to leave it at Hagrid's hut 
for very long, but still, like, that would be the safest bet. Yeah. To leave it there, have someone come knock on the door, take it, fly away. Like, it's probably... Yeah. Not yeah. that far away to Hagrid's hut. It's not that huge of a detour. But they do successfully get the dragon all the way up the stairs, just the two of them. They get it up to the top tower, the people come and pick it up, and they're just kind of fun. They're all pretty much like Weasleys, where they're just like, hey, hey, check out this cool harness that we made. Yeah, we're flying this illegal dragon, yeah, da, 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 da. And then they just like fly away, and it's just like, oh, those guys were hilarious. Like, that, that seems like a pretty fun lot. And they're mm-hmm. all just pretty jacked about this dragon. And it's so funny because, like, nowhere does Charlie say, where did you get a dragon? What are you doing with Charlie's the dragon? Charlie's not there. Yeah. But Charlie's, like, even in his letter, Charlie's just like, yeah, sure, I'll take your dragon. <laughs> like, he's not like, what? <laughs> so, uh, but here's the thing. He's already huh. been through Hogwarts. Oh. He probably knows the character yeah, of Hagrid. And, and they like, knew each other, too, because they would geek out about dragons and yeah, stuff, too. Yeah, not that surprised, probably, yeah. that, yeah, Hagrid would come by an illegal dragon. Yeah. yeah. Through a bet? <laughs> Like pretty funny. I've found a. I've heard of weirder ways that yeah, people come yeah. by dragons. That's probably the safest one. All right, yeah, I'll take it off his hands. Like, it's funny to see this side of Hagrid, where he's just like so, just loves the little thing and always oh, babying it, and even and though he it calls flights. himself mommy, which yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. We get to see just a completely different side of him, and. <laughs> I love just the imagery of they come back and the boar hound is just like sitting outside looking all sad with a bandage on its tail. <laughs> it's a fun chapter visually and describing the way that the dragon's coming up and how he's responding to the dragon and stuff like it's it's a fun chapter in that way. The exposition is super frustrating mm-hmm. and even how like at one point Ron is like oh yes according to the wizard thing of 17 da 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 wizards are no longer allowed or like you're no longer allowed to have dragons. Everybody knows that. <laughs> It's just like, thanks, buddy. (laughs) Just like, it's against the law. Has been for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to be according to this exact same thing that happened on this day. Oh, everybody knows that. Shouldn't you know that? It's like, come on. (laughs) It was just such a direct exposition thing. Yeah. So one one thing that was sort of frustrating in this chapter for me, and in the previous chapter, Hmm. is it's also interesting, but... We see all these vignettes of of uh, the trio cr- sort of splitting up into groups of two mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. see what those dynamics are. So, like, Harry comes in the previous chapter to, like, tell Ron and Hermione the, about Snape and Quirrell, and they're playing Wizard of Chess, the two of them. And it's yeah. like, oh, evidence that they have an independent friendship, actually. Yeah. They're playing Wizard Chess. There's some frustration on Hermione's part because she keeps losing. Which is probably um, good for her, which is another little line that I liked. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and then, they, Ron and, her, Ron and Hermione also went to the match together, both with wands after making a plan together. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there, there's evidence of, like, their, the two of them, their friendship strengthening. And then we have the whole conversation where they're trying to figure out how to get rid of Norbert and making the plan. Hermione doesn't weigh in once, hmm. but she's there. And I'm like, this is so out of character that you're not weighing in at all on the plan of this. And like, and yeah. she probably would ask the question of like, why do we need to take it to the tallest tower? Especially because she's one of the acting agents. Yeah. She's one of the people carrying like, it. Why? And yeah, and, and yeah. so she doesn't weigh in on that at all. And then it doesn't explain at all why Ron isn't one of the people to deliver Norbert to the group of people. Yeah. When Ron is their connection... <laughs> And also probably a little bit stronger than Hermione, but maybe they're using magic, and so yeah, you need Hermione you, to lift it. You can't it. assume too much with and magic. It's but... Harry's cloak, and maybe Hagrid wouldn't give 
Norbert to anyone other than Harry because he has a special like father kind of love. But it's for Ron's Harry. brother's friend. Yeah, it's just it's just a yeah. confusing mix, and like and there's no discussion of why Hermione doesn't weigh in, and then why Ron doesn't weigh in on and that. And then at the end of the day, it just comes down to they get caught at the end, and for some reason the narrator wanted Hermione and Harry specifically to get caught and Neville where it's like that's why Ron wasn't there because if Ron got caught then he wouldn't be able to do whether he whatever he does where it's like I'm sure after they get caught they're gonna be on super super close watch uh they're gonna be a big trouble I mean we saw what happened to Malfoy 20 points that's pretty significant and detention like 20 points is a lot of points detention is a big thing for wandering around at night I feel like people do that all the time that seems really harsh to me I figured that was just uh, McGonagall playing a little bit of favorites, where she's like, I'm taking 20 points off. Um, she was caught in a bathroom with curlers and a hairnet. She was maybe a little, like, she maybe is like, that had... that so? Yeah. Oh. She, she, she was in a tartan bathrobe and a hairnet. I don't think curlers, but, like, maybe her ego was a little bruised. And wow. so she was extra, she was feeling extra vulnerable, which made me wonder if, like... Up by the tallest tower, is that where the teachers live? Oh, or, could be. Or, or, like, what is up there that would cause her to be there in that state? Like... Dumbledore's room. Teacher's bathroom. <laughs> something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Like... But anyway, uh, and I forget, I forget how Neville was also caught. When did that happen? He was running to try and catch up with Harry and Hermione to tell them that the teachers were looking for them. Mm, I forgot he, about that. Yeah, pretty much he was going to warn them that Draco was coming. Which, again, it, coming through, Longbottom. I mean, he's, he got caught, but he was little, being super brave about it. He's a little bumbling, but he's got courage. Yeah, he really, I think the Sorting Hat was entirely correct. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Sorting Hat. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> he's just too cute. Anyway, um, so... So they deliver Norbert, um, and then as they're coming down, they're just celebrating so much, and Filch sees them, and they have the chilling moment of, like, we left the cloak, we're visible. Which is like, come on, oh, guys. It's such a rookie move, rookie but to move. be fair, they're rookies, so yeah, they, are. That they probably had to make that mistake, but um, so, what do you think's going to happen? What, what's Filch going to do? Well, I think the next chapter is going to be entirely seen... Um, Hermione and Harry feeling around on the floor of the top tower trying to find the invisibility cloak. <laughs> I think that's going to be a large part of it. Invisible. Yeah, yeah. I think they're probably going to throw some dust in the air. It's like silvery when he opens it up. Like he when can it's see moving. It. <laughs> no, yeah. when, when he like gets the gift. He's like, oh. a silvery cloak spills out. And hmm. so, what is this? He puts it on and then he disappears. So, I think when it's like not covering anything, it's visible. Oh, interesting. Okay, so... So Filch catches them, mm-hmm. and they're, like, high-fiving and whatever. One, what what do you think, uh, what, do you think they are going to get the cloak back, or what's going to happen to the cloak? Oh, I, yeah, they'll get the cloak back. I yeah. mean, like I said, they could spend a whole chapter looking for it, but, um, ooh, is this one of those weird leading questions? What else could happen to the cloak? If they don't get it, who does get it? If Voldemort gets the cloak, this is bad news bears. Uh, I hope that they get the cloak back. And I think, um, man, it'd be really late in the book to introduce them not having the invisibility cloak. But maybe that's what it takes for whoever it is to get past Fluffy. Ooh, that's a very leading question, Alyssa. Very leading. Uh, I hope so. (laughs) Because if not, then that uh, opens a lot of doors 
for people to get to the stone. So I hope so. If not, then that's going to be a huge plot device. I, they definitely won't be able to go get it that night, and they're going to be on super high watch. So it's like the only person who could get it is Rom, and maybe that's why they left him out of the adventure party, or why the narrator, I guess, the author left him out, is so that he can go on the side quest of trying to go get it. By design. By design. So it's like so all three of them couldn't go because then who would go get the invisibility cloak? Uh, so, again, that's that's probably part of why... I, I don't know why they couldn't have had Ron meet up with his own friends. Anyway, uh, so invisibility cloak. If if they do go get it back, then great. If not, then well, that's how you get past Fluffy. Whatever. There's one of your ins for how someone can get to the stone right there. So, um, and then the other question is, what? How do you think Filch will punish them? Um, so you you uh... Filch, uh, boy. Um, well, McGonagall is really the one who doses out punishments, and she's already there. So I think McGonagall will be the one to give the punishments out. Um, yeah. I think he'll take them to McGonagall, and she'll decide. But Filch, like, he's definitely not going to do them any favors. <laughs> like, no, it's well, 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 look at what we have here. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering uh, if, if it's like detention. What mm-hmm. does detention look like at Hogwarts? Well. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's sitting around listening to boring lectures. Uh, I don't know. It could be like community service type stuff, cleaning up hallways, scrubbing floors. Uh, I feel like putting people who are notorious for sneaking around into places they shouldn't be, keeping them in the school, cleaning floors in random hallways without much supervision is a terrible idea. That's how you get a (laughs) breakfast club situation where it's like, let's take all these people and then just who are known for getting into trouble and then just ignore them. It's like, nope, that's how you get really good movies from the 80s and dan if you're listening that is still an amazing movie i don't care what you oh, say of course it is dan doesn't like breakfast club well he just hates that it. it's one of my favorites uh-huh. he, he doesn't think it's worthy of being a favorite mm-hmm. anyway so that's how you get a breakfast club situation i so i i wonder if it's something like it could be wrangling peeves or cleaning up after peeves <laughs> or doing something with no magic i feel like magic is a yeah oh yeah or or if like i mean you can't you can't like suspend magic use yeah uh because magic is what you're studying so it's like i'm suspending you reading for your english class or something yeah. but like limiting magic use maybe or... i think it's just gonna get something that's gonna get them into more adventures like they're gonna be together they're gonna find a way to get into more trouble i think running around the school they're probably kind of over that by now especially if they get punished as harshly as as Draco, where if they each lose 20 points, like that undoes everything. <laughs> like, that is such a massive amount of points that they're like, okay, no more sneaking around, period. Mm-hmm. End of the story. So maybe it's just that some type of community service that's not magic involved, probably a little bit messy. Maybe it's moving buckets of Fluffy's poop out. They don't know why. They're like, where did you get all these buckets of poop? And he's like, shut up. (laughs) You don't get to know that. Like, why is this coming from the third floor corridor? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Uh, So that brings us to favorite quotes. Right. Yeah. What was your, uh, some of your favorite quotes or favorite moments Mm. from chapter 14? I I have a couple. How many do you have? Uh... Uh, I just have the one little moment. All right, how about you go first? 
Oh, wait, no, 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 I do have two, sorry. Okay. Uh, gotcha. So, uh, for one, I do, as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, where it says, they found Fang the boarhound sitting outside with the bang tail when they went to tell Hagrid, who opened a window to talk to them. It's like, oh. I totally <laughs> forgot about that moment, and I love it now that you brought it up. Yeah. I totally love it. Especially because the boarhound, when we were first introduced, he's like, oh, keep back, Fang, and they were all scared of the boarhound, and they're like, oh, and now it's like, the boarhound, the boarhound is such small potatoes. Fang is such a big softy. Yeah, like compared to the current problem, Fang is just like a, not even a factor. Uh, but I, I loved again. There's just so many cute little quips in here, where uh, Harry suddenly turned to Ron, Charlie, he said, and Ron's like, "You're losing it too," said Ron. I'm Ron, remember? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how many times Ron's gotten that in oh, his life with so many brothers. He's probably yeah. like, not you two. Yeah, like, he's like, come on, man. Everyone's going crazy, and now my best friend can't even keep me straight. Like, he only knows me and the twins. Like, yeah. He's like, you don't even know my brother, and you're still calling me. So I love that moment. It told so much about Ron and who Ron is and his family and his upbringing, where it's like, if anyone else did that, you'd be like, come on, man. Like, you knew what he was saying. But because it's Ron and his exact situation, you're like, okay, that's funny. Like, that's that's pretty clever. Um, so that was my favorite little little moment. I'm going to share two okay. as well. Uh, uh, I'm going to share three. I'm going to go real big. All right. Are you ready? Because <laughs> um, one is just a title of one of the books in the dragon section, and I oh. love it. Um, so, so Hagrid's checking out books, and then they go back to see where he is. This is on page 230. It's... Uh, who is it? Ron. Hagrid was looking up stuff about dragons. Look at these. Dragon species of Great Britain and Ireland. And from egg to inferno, a dragon keeper's guide. And I love <laughs> from egg to inferno. <laughs> Such a great title. I would read that book. I, yeah, that is excellent. <laughs> so egg good. to inferno. Oh, that's funny. Um, and so the next one is on page 233. Um, and they're... Uh, Hagrid's got the egg and he's like he's got it in the fire and it's cooking mm-hmm. and and Hermione like Hagrid's like I'm very pleased about oh it's a Norwegian Ridgeback they're very rare I'm very excited and <laughs> Hermione is not impressed and she's just like Hagrid you live in a wooden house oh. <laughs> it's just like fair point yeah. you're not gonna have a home because Ugh. your pet dragon is going to fell it with its breath and only she would think of that and be looking around and being like guys this is a really bad idea like, guys anyone like <laughs> if it were brick it would be an oven but it's a wooden house yeah. it's got, no this is this is a real problem and that's such an insulting thing to say too where it's like i mean wood living in a wooden house isn't like embarrassing but she is essentially saying like you live in a shack remember a little shack it's made of wood <laughs> You are. I I'm not sure she meant it as like a. It's your house is nothing. I oh, think she, didn't she mean meant it, it but as it... like your house is flammable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I could see why he'd be kind of offended by that too, yeah. though. Where he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Even though there's this beautiful castle over there, I'm over here in my wooden shack. Yeah, but as as we see in the text, Hagrid wasn't listening. He was <laughs> humming merrily as he stoked the fire. So he's he does not care. Um, he has not thought this through. No, at, at all. not at all. Um, and then my my this is my favorite moment. It's wonderful. It's right after Norbert was born and is hatched, and they're all around the table and they're looking at it, and and the dragon sneezed. A couple of sparks fl- flew out of its snout, and it's Aww. just like that's the most adorable baby dragon picture you could have ever painted. And I see Hagrid's love for it. 
Yeah. Little sparks as it sneezes. He's just like, he knows his mommy. (laughs) Oh. I like... Yeah. Hagrid uh, clearly has a love for very large animals that are not very cute or cuddly. Yeah. But I get it with Norbert. The way that the narrator talks about Norbert, it's it's so adorable. It and, is super And I adorable. love Hagrid's love for Norbert. It's precious. Even when he's clearly in denial and he's starting to get bit by it and he's like, oh, it's fine though. Even though he can't even be in his own it's house. It's a bit hardly. of an abusive relationship. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He keeps thinking, oh, no, he's just he's just growing up. This is normal. And it's like, yeah, but. Yeah. Hmm. How many parents have said the th- same thing about adolescence? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like these two chapters, it was pretty easy to criticize a lot of things about the writing in general. Mm-hmm. And that makes me a little bit worried, especially because, like, when she's missing such key wording or when it feels, like, a little bit this off and we're getting this far into the plot, like... It's to the point now where she... It should be solidified by now. Yeah, and and she better tighten up for these last few chapters, too. Because if she's leaving weird things open like that and making you question the whole purpose of alchemy altogether, like, just through little things like that, or, like, if it turns out that it's, like, Harry had a nagging feeling, like, Harry couldn't shake the feeling that there was something weird about Quirrell, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. if you pull that stuff again on me... Like, no, that yeah, there, you haven't allowed. planted any of it. You need to plant this stuff and, yeah, and do yeah. some foreshadowing. And and I think in some ways, as, as an experienced reader, like, she's planting a lot of things that will see, have, like, they'll bear fruit much later in the series. Yeah, but yeah. as far as immediate foreshadowing, it's it's leaves a lot to be desired, actually. Yeah, and we have three chapters left. <sighs> We have a lot of ground to cover in three chapters. We need to see, essentially, the return of Voldemort. He needs to come back. He needs to get to the Sorcerer's Stone somehow, past Fluffy, all this stuff. We need to figure out if Snape's actually a bad guy or if he's a good guy. And then also just like, okay, do these people even go on to the second year? Who wins the Quidditch Cup or the House Cup or whatever? There's just a lot of ground to cover. A lot of wrapping up. Yeah. Yeah. And I I will be so frustrated, so frustrated, I'm going to say this now, if somehow Voldemort comes around and somehow, again, I I know nothing about, like, if or how this is going to happen. So Voldemort comes around, Harry is a major person in the defeating of Voldemort again, which is kind of how it's being, like, foreshadowed a little bit. And then, like, Voldemort get like, dies or gets away or whatever and McGonagall turns to Harry and he's like and she's like 150 points to Gryffindor (laughs) you defeated Voldemort 150 points and I'll just be like come on this is so stupid you defeat a dark wizard and get the the house cup like come on how could it's it's it would so if that happens, I'm going to be really upset. Where she's like, congrats, you defeated the Dark Wizard. All the points to you. I'm <laughs> just like, that is the dumbest way to get over the House Cup thing. <sighs> like, all this buildup for the House Cup about how Quidditch and good behavior. And then if they just, like, slay a dragon and she's like, ding, you win. It's like, come on. Come on. Yeah, I feel like the House Cup's, like, it, it, it's for glory or whatever. But it's supposed to be predicated on good behavior and yeah and yet so much of it is skill and and i I don't think that that's fair no especially because like good behavior hufflepuff should be winning like every year yeah they keep to themselves they work hard i mean for the most part there's troublemakers in every group but like if it was actually based on merit why why are hufflepuff and ravenclaw not even contenders like why are you advocating for hufflepuff there clark i don't know could it just be a little bit of house bias i don't know (laughs) I mean, 
badgers are a noble species, okay? <laughs> we deserve rewards. <laughs> we don't care about rewards. But it'd but be we nice should get every them. now and then. I mean, come on. <laughs> a little bit of positive affirmation goes a long way. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens in the next few chapters. It's going to be an interesting ride. Uh, but we would love to hear all of our readers and our viewers' comments as well. And there's a few things that we missed in this chapter, too. If you want to talk about it, please, please, please. Um, you can find us on Twitter at WordstruckPod. You can find me at Clark Hodges. And you can find me at Alyssa Small. Um, we, uh, if you take issue with any of our massive criticisms of these also, like... <laughs> we were mean this chapter. Let us know. Yeah, we, we were not yeah, uh, yeah. suspending our disbelief at all. No. Um, so please let us know. We'd love to get into some debates with you or hear your arguments if you've got some, mm-hmm. some well-thought-out ones. Um, so the other place that you can find us is through Gmail. Um at uh, wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and we are a secret weapon production which is on Facebook and on Twitter at weaponize me so yep. you can find show notes on that site as well just look us up we're there uh, and thank you so much for listening please give us your thoughts comments and tune in again next week where we cover more ground and find out what happens to this duo yes yeah we'll see thanks Alyssa thanks Clark <laughs>